how do you find Will Smith in the snow? I have no idea. You look for the Fresh Prince. What'd you think of that? No, I liked it. Oh, you, uh, <laughs> you like that? No, I just wanted to see what you do if I said I did. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on our inaugural episode of Face for Wrestling Video Podcast, where we're automatically the number two video podcast in the business. Uh, we're going to take a little break from reviewing NXT for a bit and dip our toe in the pond of stardom. Have a good laugh with us as we try to pronounce all of these names without fucking up and recording three different times per name. Oh, you're going to try to pronounce the names right? I'm just going to say them as is. <laughs> all of our Japanese listeners, um, zero at the moment, are going to hate me, but it'll be okay. So, Matt, what's your take on this? I feel like we just kind of needed a break from the modern-day American-style wrestling. It's nothing against NXT. It's just there's so much negativity in all of the current products. Uh, it was nice to take a break from that and just go into stardom, which is phenomenal wrestling that we enjoy. But even when we were looking up some of the stuff that we needed for research on this, there's not a huge fan base in America, so there's not a lot of negativity. You can just watch and enjoy, and it's just a nice change of pace. As we've said from the beginning, even on our audio podcast episodes for NXT, we're not really making any money off of this yet. 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 So if we're not making any money off of this, the only reason that we're really doing it is for our own enjoyment and to spread the word of stardom and other great wrestling to you, the audience. Exactly. And I think we have a better chance of this. There's, Like I said, there's not a lot of stardom stuff in America, so to get word out there, even to 10 people, will be great. And we get to enjoy it. We don't have to worry about comment sections full of negativity and AEW's better, NXT's better, they suck. They, I, I just, It's nice to have almost an island, a wrestling island, where we can just exist and enjoy. Now, we will start releasing more audio episodes, but again, we're taking a break from NXT, and this time we're actually going to go into the reviews of NWA Power. It's, and it's for a couple of reasons. One of them is, is that Matt and I, we're old NWA fans from back in the day, and it's good to see the NWA make this resurgence with Billy Corgan, but we'll go more into that later on. Two weeks. Spoiler? Yeah, roughly, hopefully, if I can get these <laughs> out on time. If we do our job correctly. I will say this, though, and I think Matt saw this uh, on our twat page, at face number four wrestling. There was a weird convergence in the force of wrestling today, Matt. Did you see it? We are Trevor Murdoch's biggest fan, and he is our biggest fan. Oh, no, it's bigger than that. Oh, what did I miss? There was a split second where NWA and stardom converged in alignment with each other. Oh, yes, but we have to wait to get to that. But, yes, we appear to be Trevor Murdoch's biggest fan because he is the greatest thing in wrestling on this side of the pond right now. He is Texas, and Texas is he. So, as always, I'm Waldo. And I'm the Matt. And we have with us today Dr. Bryant at a nondescript location. I appreciate that, Doctor. We will do our best. Doctor. So with all the introductions and explanations out of the way, let's jump back in time in our DeLorean to 3 November 2018 at Shinkiba First Ring for our first day show with Stardom. I'm glad you pronounced the name of the city because, yeah. <laughs> that, that's not the city. That's the arena. I'm glad you pronounced the arena because, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, just a little bit of a note on why we decided on November 3rd of 2018. Why didn't we start with current episodes? Why didn't we start further back? This just seemed like a good jump-off point. There's a, a tag league currently going on that we will go into, and we'll get to build into the title changes and champions that are currently there without spoiling anything for people that might be a little bit behind and want to get caught up. This just seemed like a good jump-off point to kind of get to know the wrestlers and everything so that if you start watching now, you have a little bit of a clue what it is you're actually watching. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. Take three. <laughs> As you alluded to earlier, Matt, we're actually in the final stages of the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Tournament, a tournament that's been going on for about the last month and a half and is determined by points. And we kind of touched on this in our intro video, but yep. we will say that the last two days of this tournament are strictly tag team match events. Yes. So reminiscent of the Crockett Cup from the 80s, we have a couple of shows that are nothing but tag team matches. And how awesome is that? It's great from a, a standpoint of, I'm a fan of tag team wrestling. I know you're a fan of tag team wrestling. And it gives us a chance to go over 16 people in one show as opposed to 16 people stretched out. So it's, it's just phenomenal. It worked out great for us, and it's just fun to watch solid tag team action. So before we get really deep in the weeds on this, there's just one thing I want to go over first. Yes. There's actually a trick to reviewing stardom matches. Yes. Most of them have a set pace or pattern, right? Yeah. They start off slow to set the tone, and then they go through all the gears as the match progresses. Yeah, it's a little formulaic, but still enjoyable. It gives enough time for the audience to see the story unfold before them, before they start getting into the big business of the match, right? Yeah. One side note on this is is that it's great for people like you and me, Matt, because we don't understand the language, well, yet. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. All I can figure out is based on what they show me in the ring. And if you could figure out the story based on what's going on in the ring and not rely too heavily on the promos, you're doing a damn fine job. Exactly. So our first match of the night is Momo and Utami versus Leo and Hanan. Momo Watanabe and Utami Hayashishista. The important thing is you tried. <laughs> versus Leo Onizaki and just Hanan. She keeps it simple. So we'll go more into Hanan later on. Mm -hmm. uh, she is one-third of the sisters team, and they actually have a match coming up in the not-so-distant future. Yeah. So I will say this, uh, going back and watching some of the older stuff, ha having been watching the more recent stuff on Stardom's website, mm -hmm. they've snazzied up their intro a little bit. Yeah, I, I dig the intro. It showcases enough of the different kinds of talents and the different things you'll see during the show. So we start off with a Leo and Hanan promo, where Leo says she was born to beat you, and Hanan is a fairy. Yeah, we have the Lionheart and the fairy from the Southern Isles calling themselves the Sunshine Girls. They're sad that they're no longer going to be a team after this, but they're happy that they've gotten better as wrestlers because of this tournament. But even random tag teams that are put together for this tournament have a fully established gimmick and name. That is awesome. I, I'm a huge fan. Momo and Utami cut their promo, and Utami has no time for this shit. Yeah, it was just, hey, we're Queen's Quest. We're going to win. Plain and simple. Okay, yeah, as they're getting ready, um, you know, you'll notice watching that there's a lot of talent around the ringside uh this serves two purposes one you're going to see a lot of streamers throughout the night and someone's got to get them out of the ring before the match starts and two if the action does happen to take a shortcut 
they're there to clear out the audience and make sure nobody actually gets hurt. So as we're kicking off and doing our introductions, I have three notes here. Mm -hmm. We get our first old ref sighting of the night. I see. I didn't notice him yet, but yes, we do. Right after that, as they're introducing Momo, we get our first name screaming contest of the night. <laughs> they don't get into a lot, the Japanese audience, but they like to yell their names. And then I have here, Old Ref needs ribbons too. What about Old Ref? Black and white ribbons? That's, yeah. that's what we, if we If we make it to Japan, this is a thing that must happen. What do you mean, if? We're going. When we make it to Japan, this is a thing that has to happen. When we do go and we throw ribbons for Old Ref, don't let them unravel. Just have them ball up like <laughs> as you buy them from the store and just chunk them in the ring. We're like, yay, Old Ref. Yeah, <laughs> I did have a note on this real quick. Like, I like that they came out to Hannon's theme. It fits perfect for her and even this whole Sunshine Girls kind of gimmick thing they have going on. Good song choice. Good song choice. Old Ref checks everybody out, and the Sunshine Girls offer handshakes, but shake each other's hands when Momo and Utami refuse. I, I did have one question real quick about the streamers. Okay. That maybe Maybe you can help me out. These girls typically always wear the same gear. Mm -hmm. And usually the streamers match the gear of the person that they're trying to throw the streamers in for. That is correct. Momo's didn't match. Is this because she's a heel or just because maybe, eh, we got streamers, that's what you're going to get? I think it's more of the latter. It's just hard to find blue and black? I don't know. They use a lot of blue later on. <laughs> well, they're saving all the blue for later. and We'll get into that later. <laughs> so they threw the off colors for Momo because we still respect you. Just not as much. Utami and Hanan start off. Uh, slow pace to start off with a lockup. Hanan tries a reverse Russian leg sweep, but it's too small to make it work on Utami. Yeah, they're building a good little uh, underdog feel for the Sunshine Girls. Utami reverses a run off the ropes from Hanan and snap mares her. It was pretty slick, too. Yeah. She also follows this up with giving her a nice set of body slams, too. Utami's great. She is... Um... I forget the word. There's a Japanese word for it. It basically just means technical for us. She is a great technica or something like that, but she she's really good at wrestling. Utami walks over to tag in Momo, and Momo goes straight to business on Hanan. Yeah, my note is just Momo kicks. <laughs> well, before she starts getting into her kicks, she runs over to the opposite corner and fucks Leo right out of the ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's they're good about that in tag team, and all their tag teams you'll see throughout this. They're really good at knocking it down to two-on-one or one-on-one -on -one by taking out the opposing partner. They make it seem like the other person matters in this. It's not just two people wrestling. You have to make sure that the third person can't get involved. Hanan gets some underdog forearms in driving Momo to their corner and tags in Leo. Leo issues a receipt to Utami first. I don't know what it was for, but it was stiff. <laughs> You're going to hear that a lot tonight. <laughs> There's a lot of receipts, and you don't know if they're from these matches or current or previous matches or what. They like to hit each other hard. And they take turns hitting Momo and Utami in the corner until Utami falls to the floor. Not enough to finish Momo as Leo gets a two count. So they exchange forearms until Leo knocks Momo down and gets another two count. Yeah, and from these two counts, this is where I have my note for Old Ref. This is the first time... I notice who the referee is in this match, and this is kudos to him. Like As my favorite referee, I was looking for him already, and the fact that I didn't even notice he was in the match until halfway, that's huge props, man. You shouldn't be taken away from the match if you're the referee. 
he only gets involved when he needs to get involved. A lot of referees in this day and age can learn from old ref. Yes. Yes, they can. Momo reverses an Irish whip from Hanan and drop kicks her in the corner. Momo does it again as Hanan has fallen on her ass in the corner. <laughs> as Momo gets a two count, she tags in Utami. Utami spends a minute just moving over Hanan and follows up with a Russian leg sweep. Yeah, I have the notice on this one. You called it a Russian leg sweep. I think it was a little bit more of an STO. She didn't quite land it right. Like, Hanan kind of took it on her side. And I don't think it's necessarily a dig at Utami or Hanan. It's just the two of them, out of all the four competitors, didn't seem to mesh very well. Well, there is a considerable size difference between the two. Right, but I think it's a difference of style as well. It, it should work because Hanan's a judo... I don't want to say expert, but judo is kind of the whole gimmick. And then Utami has sort of the same kind of gimmick, but it just doesn't really, like I said, they're in the ring, they don't really mesh very well together. So things seem to be going normal, right? Yeah. Momo comes in to murder Hanan with a side head kick. Yeah. <laughs> Momo's kicks, I, I'm not taking them, man. I, I'd rather be kicked by Terry Funk's horse. <laughs> While it's sick? While it's sick and dying. <laughs> Momo goes for the peach sunrise, but Hanan reverses it into a pin, but only gets a two count. Hanan then goes off the ropes to Larry at Momo, but Momo's foot says, no, another stiff kick that I'm not taking. No, I, I, like I said, I'm not taking these kicks. Leo comes in for a last-second save to break up the pin. Utami clears Leo out for her troubles. Right after Leo gets cleared out, Momo hits the peach sunrise on Hanan and gets the three in 559. Yeah, they, they had a nice little underdog sequence there at the end to where you thought maybe Hanan was going to get a chance to win, but then the hills pull it out. You call it the Peach Sunrise. I know that's what it is, but I just wanted to give a little bit of shout-out to Stardom's history here. Uh, it, it was actually originally known as the B-Driver. Momo got permission to use this move from Yoko Bito, who was one of the first big names in Stardom. Like, she was the first kind of big push that they had. I think that's a nice little nod back, you know what I mean? Leo and Hanan get a good round of applause as they sell like death in the ring. Yeah, I, I thought it was nice. Um, the Queen's the Queen's Quest ladies exit the ring pretty quickly, uh, and then Leo helps Hanan out and helps her bow to the crowd to give them the respect that the crowd's given back to them. It, like I said, great underdog face build even though you lost you still look good these matches are individual videos on the stardom website so it's not the entire show yeah this show on the 3rd of november probably lasted about two hours in person with stuff scattered in between the matches and whatnot mm -hmm. but if you go watch this on the stardom site you're only watching about an hour of what's actually recorded yeah just a, a side note for people who might not be used to using the stardom website if a match say is 13 to 24 minutes long. It's going to pop up in military time. So if it's 13 minutes long, it's going to look like it's saying it's a minute and whatever seconds long. No, that just means it's 13 minutes. So add 12 kind of to whatever you're seeing there. It can be a little throwing off because you'll be like, oh, this is going to be a short match. Oh, this is going 20 minutes. Why does it say this if it says it's eight minutes? So just a note. So up next, we have Starlight Kid and Natsumi versus Hana and Mary Apache. Matt, give us a little information on Mary Apache and Hana. 
Mary is a luchador. She's an older lady. I use the word luchador because apparently that's how she made her name. A little bit of research we've done on her. She's traveled the world. She really has been everywhere before she settled on stardom here at the end. Hannah has been kind of her adopted daughter. They've, they've teamed together pretty much since both of them have been in the company. And they've always been not necessarily in a faction, but together in every instance or every incarnation of their characters. So you have that, which adds a bit of interestingness to it because Natsumi from the opposing team is Mary's actual daughter. Natsumi is actually the first of the Apache family to get her start in training outside of Mexico. She made her debut on March 28th of this year, uh, 2018, and during their promo, she mentions that this is going to be a mother versus daughter matchup with Mary being on the other side. Yeah, they 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 plugged the whole parent-child confrontation is how they worded it. Like, this is their first time actually competing against each other in the ring. Um, there's also a little bit of a, a side story that I couldn't find a lot of information on, but Starlight also wants revenge on Hana for ripping her mask off previously. Do you know anything about that? Uh, this happened about four months prior to what we're actually starting at, and okay. it was nothing more than Hana just being a heel and coming in and trying to rip a mask off. But it's nice that they do a throwback to that. So we have two stories going on in this match. We have the parent-child confrontation, and then we have Starlight Kid wanting revenge for the mask. And Starlight Kid's mask, I mean, you can tell the people here, they treat that thing luchador status. Yeah, it should be noted that Starlight Kid is actually the only wrestler in stardom that wears a mask 24-7. The rest of them have masks that they come out with during their intros, which we still haven't quite figured out yet. But Starlight Kid is the only one that wears hers all the time. Even when they post pictures of her outside of her mask on the Starlight Twitter, it's her face is still covered up with stuff. They treat her identity, like I said, with the locking key that you would an old-timey luchador from AAA or anything. Cut over to Mary speaking Spanish and Hana looking on very amused. Yeah, I just have no subtitles for Spanish. Hana looks lost. A lot of that is because Mary is speaking so fast. So fast. Uh, Hana closes out this promo by saying, eggs. <laughs> and then they do a hand gesture for eggs. Hana and Mary come out to what will soon be the Tokyo Cyber Squad theme. Ah, a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, but thankfully that theme will see some great improvement later on. Yeah, well, Just a note here, I know you went over it a little bit in the, the pre-show show. Mary has the high-speed title. Starlight Kid and Natsumi come out, and guess who's out there, Matt? Who do we have? It's Race Car Ref. Rum, rum. <laughs> this guy is awesome. <laughs> he, he He's a close close second to Old Ref. Mm, he's a close second to Tan Ref. Tan Ref's got to be number two. Oh, tan Ref would make everybody here look incandescent. Yeah, which is weird because he's white. <laughs> Mary stretches against the ropes and jiggles the entire ring. Yeah, but I do have a note. I like the fact that pretty much every match you'll see the girl stretching out during the intros. It adds a nice fight feel to every fight because they're not just getting in the ring and doing a little hand gesture or whatever. They're actually preparing themselves to be in a battle. Matt, I don't know if you noticed this, but they are fighting. <laughs> right, but that's what I'm saying. That's This helps add to that. Like, it helps you get into the moment of, I'm about to watch some people fight. Like I said, it's just little things like this that they do in this company. And I think more companies should take over the aspect of announce them when they're in the ring 
and let them do the little stretching and getting prepared for a match. So right after everybody gets ribbons except for the Mexican, race car ref signals for handshakes. But Mary and Hannah give them the bird, and mother and daughter start off this match. Yeah, which actually the crowd was into. Oh, they do play the crowd for a second, and we get a weird crisscross right after that. Natsumi gets in an arm drag when Mary rolls out. Natsumi does a fancy roll in the ring for some cheers. Yeah, I have I have the note that uh, kudos for Mary putting her daughter over here. I, I wish Mary was a little better. I won't get too much into that. I wish Mary was a little better, but kudos to her for making her daughter look as good as she could make her daughter look here. We get a traditional test of strength, but Mary kicks her own daughter in the gut. Betrayal. Hana rushes over to assist by dumping Starlight Kid out, and then they double-team on Natsumi by tying Natsumi up in the ropes for a taunting spot. I have that note, like we talked about. They do such a good job of working tag teams as tag teams, and Mary and Hana are a prime example of this. Like, they work well together. If you saw the two, you wouldn't think, oh, that's a good tag team. But they put it all together, and it's not, hey, look at me, hey, look at me, and they work together, and it looks great. As Mary is setting up a bow and arrow on Natsumi, Starlight Kid tries to run in and help, but Hana stops her, and we get stereo bow and arrows. It was beautiful. Race car ref starts up the five count on Hana, and she's not legal. They follow the rules sometimes. And lets Mary continue with hers. Yes. Mary and Natsumi go up for what appears to be a powerbomb, but Natsumi rolls through for a reversal pin, but only gets a two count. Natsumi tags Starlight Kid in, and she cartwheels into an airplane spin from Mary. Holy hell, this girl's good. She's, what, 17 at the time, 18? I think she's 16 or 17 right here. 16 or 17? And just fluid. Starlight Kid manages to hurt Karana Mary out of it, and Mary is dizzy after about four turns and runs to the wrong corner. <laughs> yeah, I have a note that it's the world's first Hurricane Rana, where the recipient is in control of the descent. Kid missile drop kicks Mary in the corner, but Hana comes in and tries to attack Kid. Uh, they get Kid up for a double-team suplex, but Starlight reverses it into a double DDT on them. Beautiful. Kid then sets up Mary for her 8166. <laughs> I assume that's the area code in Tokyo. That's the Osaka area code. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Sadly, she only gets a two count off of it. Mary gets up and catches Kid off the ropes for a kick to the face. Yeah, straight in the jaw. Hana gets tagged in and tries to suplex Kid. A little bit of a confused spot, but it's saved when Kid rolls up Hana for a quick pin attempt. I will say this about some of these spots that kind of get, I don't want to say botched, but like off just a little bit. Botch is an easy word to throw out because, I mean, that's what's in my note. Botch turned into a pin was great because they knew they weren't getting the spot they wanted so instead of going back to it and let's try to hit it again and let's do it again you just turn it into a different set of offense and now you don't look like you don't know what you're doing kid tries to run the ropes but hana follows her and gives her another boot to the face yeah hana is giving momo a run for the money for kicks of the night why doesn't this happen more often in wrestling, though? Instead of just running the ropes and just standing there like an idiot and taking just something? Just straight in. Yeah, just go after them. You'll see that a lot in, in stardom. It, they do wrestling that makes sense. Yeah, the ring psychology is on point here. Yeah. Nice suplex from Hana to Kid for a two count, followed by some weird reversals into a bridging pin. Now, I watched this three times and couldn't figure out what exactly this was. I called it the fisherman neckbreaker. Good enough. <laughs> there we go. Kid rolls into a tag to Natsumi, which she's kind of known for. She'll do like a barrel roll and run over and do kind of a jumping hot tag. Yeah, she's good at the hot tag. Hana reverses Natsumi into the corner and does a running knees to the chest. Holy Christ. 
Yeah, they are beating this poor girl within an inch of her life. I don't know what to call this other than Hana being tied into a knot. It's apparently called the El Nudo. I was referring to it as a hog tie, but I like El Nudo a little bit better. While Hana's still in the El Nudo, Natsumi and Kid run in to hit double drop kicks. Beautiful. Hana hits a nice reverse double drop kick to Natsumi and Kid and then runs over to tags in Mary. Mary comes in, and she must have more kids than this because she just smashes her own daughter in the corner. Yeah, she's making her earn her spot. Mary gets Natsumi up for what looks to be a torture rack, but it's an upside-down reverse pile driver attempt? Yeah, um, I call it – it's Homicide from TNA used to do it and called it the Gringo Killer, and Shane Helms did it in WCW and referred it to it as the Bird Breaker. Natsumi sits up on Mary's shoulders and botches her way to the mat as I think she was going for a jumping, like, sitting spin to reverse the position. I, yeah, I think it was supposed to be an arm drag out of the reverse spin, but they didn't quite catch arms. And it still but wasn't that bad. It still wasn't bad, and again, they didn't go back and say, let me put you back up there and try to redo it. They just did the arm drag from the ground, and it worked phenomenally. My favorite spot of this match comes up right after this, and where Natsumi tries to go up to Mary and suplex her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Starlight tries to help. Oh. Eh, eh. <laughs> She's a big old girl. Hana and Mary double stomp Natsumi to get charged with attempted murder at a live event. <laughs> yeah, she's playing favorites with her adopted child over her real child. Kid runs in for a last-second save with a slap to the butt of Mary. That's all you need. Hana works on Kid while Mary hits an underhook scoop pile driver for the three and 643. I thought it was a bit of a Michinoku driver. I, whatever it was, it looked really nice. It looked really good. Oh, yeah. Mary has the Queen's Quest music. Does she? If you'll remember, prior to this, she didn't really have mm. her own theme. Yeah. And I think based on the night and how the card went, she would just get kind of recycled music. She's the only one that I've noticed this happens to. Fair enough. For a bigger gal, she can go. <laughs> she wasn't as bad as I thought she was going to be. And, and she did really well about making her daughter look good. Nobody came out of this match looking terrible. Man, when we first saw her, she didn't do anything because she wasn't in an actual match, and hopes yeah. were very low. Very low. But after seeing her wrestle a little bit, man, looks can be deceiving. I, I'm just confused on how someone that active can maintain the weight she does. She's not slow or sluggish by any means. No, she, like I said, it was a joke between me and you that she was the high-speed champion, but we would always call her the high-drag champion. But she proved us wrong in this one. So the first two matches were in the blue division for the Goddess of Stardom tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're moving on to the red bracket. Yep. Our first red bracket match is Tam and Cheeky versus Natsu and Martina. Uh, Tam Nakunu. Nakanu. Nakanu? Nakanu. Tam. Tam. Uh, she, previously to becoming a wrestler, was some form of Japanese model? And decided she wanted to be a wrestler. There you go. I don't. I really don't know anything about Shiki. I think this is the first time I've actually seen her. Natsu, from what I understand from the intro here, is Thai. That's all I know about her. Okay. And Martina, Session Mar Martina, is British and a female version of the Sandman. Oh, too on point with that one, Matt. Yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> 
opened with a pre-match promo of Natsu asking Martina if that's her last beer. The gimmick is annoying, and thankfully, Martina is spotty at best for a while through the rest of our shows that we're having. See, I didn't really have a big problem with her. I especially like the promo. They go over the fact that it's Martina's last couple of days on tour for this tour, and then just kind of ignore her while Natsu makes fun of Shiki for always trying too hard. And while this is going on, Session is quietly trying to open a beer and not be distracting. I, I, I thought it was brilliant. And then they let Natsu finish everything off in Japanese, and Martina just goes, yeah, everything she just said. Natsu is aware that the fans know that Martina's going to be leaving for a little bit because the yeah. fans here for stardom, they know what's going on. Yeah, they, they're smart fans. But she sells that this isn't going to be a pushover match because of that either. Yeah. So behind the scenes, do you care to know what's happening here? Tell me. So Martina's not from America. She's from more repressed country known as England. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, they don't have as much freedom as America does, and they're more restricted on the visas. Ah, so, that makes sense. So just like with B Priestley, we've noticed here recently, that's why she's been making more appearances in America for AEW. Yeah. It's because of the visa issue. You actually have to leave for a little bit more than the period that the Americans have to. That makes sense. Uh, we cut over to the other promo, and on camera we have Peachan the Panda. I'm glad you know its name, because I just have... We start off with a stuffed animal. Shiki is awkward. Shiki is awkward. And all we really get out of this promo is uh, we have to beat Natsu because Natsu doesn't like me and I don't like her. Oh, and we're called Big Surprise. Oh my god, Matt. It's everybody's techno song. Out comes Natsu and Martina, and Old Ref doesn't want anything to do with Martina. No, but I will give credit to the crowd. They are polite, clapping to the worst club music you've ever heard. But they don't want to be full into it, so they just kind of politely clap along to the beat. It's one of those embarrassed for you claps. Yeah, I, I do like that Martina does her little dance and then passes out from drinking. Like I said, I, I'm a fan. I dig it. Oh, I got written on here some kind of Emma-level dancing that only Matt would want to do. <laughs> I can I can see that a lot of people wouldn't be a fan, but I, I like the terrible dancing followed by the passing out on the ground afterwards. And then we get Tam, Shiki, and P-Chan come out. I, I'm so used to watching modern wrestling and people making fun of modern wrestling that when Big Surprise's music hits, my first thought were, Damn it, Vince, it's racist. Oh, wait. They're Japanese. They can do that. <laughs> Insert Orient Express uh, theme here. Yeah, as well as every other Japanese wrestler that's ever been in WWF. Natsu and Shiki start off with a lockup and some arm reversals. Natsu gets some offense in with a headlock, but Old Ref does a five count for being in the corner. Irish whip from Natsu to Shiki into the opposite corner and snapmare to Shiki. Few exchanges of clubs and into a hurricanrana that's not the worst I've ever seen, but it's not the best. Yeah, I got bocce head scissors for it. Uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It just was noticeably not as good as some of their other stuff. Shiki tries to pick up Natsu, but Natsu reverses and slams Shiki for it. Yeah, it was great. As Natsu is working Shiki in the corner, Tam comes in to break it up, and Martina goes to stop her. Mm -hmm. Natsu and Martina then get into the opposite corners for the Bronco Buster, and then double Bronco Buster Shiki in the corner. Normally... 
I hate this spot. However, I feel like when they do it in, in this match, it's done not as a maneuver to actually hurt somebody, but as a maneuver to embarrass somebody, and therefore it works. Natsu tags in Martina, and she goes to do a modified airplane spin. I'm going to call this one the Cessna spin. Okay. Uh, but plays dizzy and falls down on top of her for a two count. Yeah, it worked off that it turned into a dizzy sidewalk slam. Again, I'm, I'm a fan. She's not overly drunk like a Sandman would be to where it's dangerous. She's just pretending to be drunk, and it adds entertainment. I think she's walking that line pretty well. Decent belly-to-belly suplex from Martina here. Again, she's not as bad as I thought she was going to be. She's another one like Mary for me. I thought she was going to be bad when I first saw her, and she's definitely not the worst wrestler I've ever seen. Natsu comes in and puts her big foot in Shiki's face in the corner. She then hits a body slam and begins to make Shiki humble until Tam comes in to break it up. Yeah, I have a note at this point. This is something for American wrestlers to, or American wrestling fans to note about Japanese wrestling. Even if you're the face, it doesn't make you bad to come in and break things up. You'll see that a lot. The faces come in to stop their team from losing. The heels come in to stop their teams from losing. It's just a tag team strategy for them. You want to do whatever you can to win. It's not just the heels trying to sneak in and break stuff up. After the dust-up, Natsu gets in a modified leg lock or headlock thing. Yeah, a thing. I'll, I'll go with thing. Natsu gets up, and Shiki tries to go on the offense, but Natsu boots her straight in the face. And then continues to just elbow the shit out of her. So a lesser crowd would have shit on this match in the States, but here mm-hmm. it's a story builder and nice to see. Exactly. This goes on until Shiki asks Natsu, Charlie, there's a new joke going around. Have you heard it? What is the five fingers? Say to the face! <laughs> what? Stop! Yeah. <laughs> I, I have notes that I'm now referring to Natsu's elbows as the damn elbows. And the damn elbows happen until Shiki's finally had enough and just Rick James their shit out of her. The bad part is, Natsu was asking for it. <laughs> she was trying to fire her up, and then she immediately regretted it. Natsu whips Shiki into the ropes, and Shiki catches her for a nice sling blade. Shiki locks in the head scissors submission. Martina tries to break it up, but can't, but Natsu finally breaks out of it. Shiki gets the warm tag. Not a hot tag, but it it was medium. Medium done. To Tam, and Tam comes in to start the fiery offense. Yeah, I have Tam has taken over the damn elbows. These girls have found a way to make elbows look worse than a punch. Tam turns the tables as she catches them off guard and pushes Martina into Natsu. Shiki comes in, and they set up opposite turnbuckle spots, but Natsu and Martina block with stereo boots to the face. Double RKOs from Tam and Shiki to Natsu and Martina. The ring clears out, and order is semi-restored. Natsu hits a nice suplex to Tam by ducking a punch and turning her into a headlock for the suplex. Martina comes in for some semi-decent forearms. I mean... If Martina had been the one to start off the forearms and be the only one to do them through the match, they'd be great, but... Not yeah. to a Tam, I've already... They own the forearms. Martina dodges a kick and tries to belly to back suplex, but Tam breaks out of it and bounces off the ropes to a solid boot to the face. I think this was a little bit of receipt from Tam's elbows. Martina runs up to the corner and goes up to the second rope for a bouncing codebreaker back inside. Sadly, it only gets a two. Yeah, I... I... Just as a side note discussion question, we'll see a lot of code breakers and 
lion tamers slash bossing crabs slash elbows from stardom. Did Jericho just steal everything when he was in Japan, or just Japan just really into Jericho? I, I think it's a two-way street on this. As I said, it's just every finishing move Jericho's ever used is just a regular move in stardom. Which one came first? It is something you kind of got to get used to watching stardom, seeing stuff like a codebreaker be used for a transitional move. Yeah. Martina goes up to the top, and Old Ref is politely asking her not to, so I'm guessing he doesn't want to clean up the possible mess here. <laughs> Shiki stops her from the outside, but Martina is still up top. Natsu rushes in to stop Tam, and Tam replies with a kick to the face. As you do. Tam goes to get Martina off the top rope and tosses her ass over tea kettle back inside. Tam goes to run the ropes, and Natsu locks her up. Martina goes in to swing some beer in the face of Tam, but she ducks and spits it all over Natsu, and I would be furious. Because <laughs> that's alcohol abuse? Exactly. <laughs> Tam and Shiki team up on Martina with separate top rope jumps, and they hit a double-team sling blade that looked really good. Really good. Uh, Natsu barely gets in to break up the pin on this one. During this madness, Natsu gets a boot to the head of Shiki just for good measure. Just because. At 11.06, Tam murders Martina with a running knee to the face and gets the three. Yeah, yeah. I'm... Damn. <laughs> damn. So, Matt... Why does it look like Martina's wearing a diaper here? I don't know the answer to that question. It's it's weird. Uh, I would just assume it's because she's an alcoholic and doesn't want to pee on herself. This was good planning on Stardom's part. They knew Martina was leaving, and on the way out, she helped put over Tam without having to get Natsu's hands dirty. Yeah, and for what could have easily have been a comedy match, we, we get four girls coming out looking strong. Like I said, e even Martina's drunken stuff gets over. Natsu looks beastly with her elbows and taking the slaps from Shiki and then just Tam gets the win after also looking super strong. Uh, well done match. I don't want to go too far into predicting the future here, but we have big things for Natsu coming up later on. Do we? Our second red bracket match for the Goddess of Stardom tournament puts the team of B Priestley and Chardonnay versus Konami and Asumi. Someone will die in this match. Yeah, it's Queen's Quest England versus Queen's Quest Japan. That's a tongue twister right there. And it's four girls that just want to murder people. B is the girlfriend of Will Ospreay, who works right down the road in New Japan. I'd say he's a wrestler, but there's not a lot of actual wrestling involved with him. I mean, he does. Look, I'm not trying to take away from his, his ability or his athleticism. It's just he's one of those guys that doesn't do a lot of match psychology. Yeah, let me throw seven flips to hit one punch. I I, I can see that, like I said, I'm with you. I, I can see the hype for his athletic ability because he can definitely do stuff I would never even be able to dream about doing. But he does it at such a pace to where it doesn't matter by the end of the match. However, he has been teaching B on the side, and she has benefited greatly from his influence. And she somehow discovered to insert some psychology into the match by press smashing the L1 button. I think it's probably the stardom effect, man. They, they force you to do storytelling in the ring, whether you want to or not. B started wrestling in 2012 and is British, making her harder to understand than Mary Apache for me. <laughs> she is by far one of the biggest wrestlers they have as she stands at 5'8 and weighs roughly about 150. She made her stardom debut in 2017, and Chardonnay is the other white girl there. Uh, Matt, can you tell us who the hired assassin Asumi and Konami are? 
Um, they are the hired assassins for Queen's Quest. Konami. <laughs> um, if you, I sir. remember correctly, <laughs> if I remember correctly, Konami is the one and only wrestler trained by Asuka from WWE fame, and Azumi started wrestling with Stardom when she was like twelve, something like that. Because right now, she, I think she's fourteen. Ever since she's been in the company, it's been her and Starlight Kid have been touted as the future. So kind of the different factions have always wanted to get their hands on those two wrestlers to shape them and mold them to their different factional belief. Currently, um, Azumi is in Queen's Quest, and she's not the leader, and she's not the future leader, but she's the future future leader is what they're kind of pushing her towards. Chardonnay and B open up with a promo with B wearing a Tony Storm shirt. Get some merch. <laughs> she did. She got some of Tony Storm's merch. Paid for it and everything. Konami and Asumi explain that they will murder Chardonnay and B during the match for reasons. Let's see who's the best from the British side, and yeah, we're going to beat the shit out of them from the Japanese side. B and Chardonnay come out first, and it should be noted that they are all Queen's Quest here, as you said. And I like that B and Chardonnay don't use the same theme as... Konami and Azumi. Like, yes, you're in the same group, but give, give me a little bit of differentiation. Azumi and Konami then come out. We kick off with Azumi and Chardonnay. All right, so all four ladies are currently in the ring, and at this point, I feel like I have to just point out, if you're a British female wrestler in stardom, you feel like we should see your ass. Because <laughs> every British female wrestler has shown their ass in stardom. And by that, I just mean get some bigger trunks. We'll touch on the masses some more tomorrow. So it's also important to note that we also get our first actual handshake of the night. It's the first sign of respect from the different groups because they're in the same group. Now that doesn't mean they're going to take it easy on each other either, though. Not at all. Azumi gets the crowd started with an Azumi champ and tries to do a test of strength with Chardonnay. But she's like two feet taller than Azumi, so Azumi jumps up in the corner to reach higher and... Chardonnay obliges. And in return, Chardonnay just jerks her off the turnbuckle into, onto the mat. Brilliant spot. Brilliant spot. Azumi starts with her no-shit dropkicks. Uh, as she's doing her last one, she suddenly stops in front of Chardonnay and bitch slaps her. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. She teased the kick and then just slapped the shit out of her. Azumi goes for a suplex, but Chardonnay drops down to block it. Like, drops down to her knee and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Chardonnay picks up Azumi with ease for a power slam. Yeah, they're selling her like a beast in this match. She then puts Azumi in a strange Russian leg sweep submission, but she's way too tall for that. Yeah. She drags Azumi over to the other corner and tags in B. I, I don't know if Chardonnay was too tall or if Azumi's just too small, but it, it was a little bit awkward. B twists Azumi's arm back and uses the ropes to jump down on the elbow. Yeah, I love the elbow twist stomp. Yeah, it looked like it hurt. Other wrestlers use it. But B makes it look like she's breaking someone's arm when she does it. If you never heard B talk, you can tell that she's British based on her wrestling style here. Very much so. She continues working the arms and shoulders for a modified Nelson lock. And my God, that, that's like one of the oldest moves of British wrestling. Yeah. It's a shame that they're selling Chardonnay as the beast because B is just as beastly, if not more so. B whips Azumi into the ropes, and Azumi breaks out of a body spin to attempt a pin on B. A tag is made, and Konami flies in to dropkick B. I just want to point out a thing on this, too. Typically, 100%, I hate when wrestlers don't wear shoes while wrestling. Konami does not wear shoes while wrestling. However, 
She has feet guards on top. It makes yep. sense. You can't that, stomp the toes. That also might be a damn lifesaver for whoever's receiving those kicks. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. But it's just a it's just a nice little touch. Like yeah, you need to be barefoot. Whatever it works better for you. But you're not unprotected. It just makes sense. Konami Irish whips, but gets reversed into the corner and waits for B to move in, putting B into an armbar number 453. And then we get an arm drag followed by armbar 454. And then double armbar 455. Konami tries to lock in her triangle lancer, which is an awesome submission move. Yeah, it is. But B brute forces her up and power bombs her to break it away. B jumps off the ropes and lands into another armbar number 34. And at this point, B is selling amazingly. Konami goes for something. Not sure what in the middle of the ring, but B counters it with a knee to the face and then a kick to the back of the head. It wasn't quite the B's knees yet, but we're getting there. Konami and B exchange kicks and dodges because if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a kick. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but B glances one off of Konami. Instead of selling it like it was supposed to connect, Konami does the right thing and moves on. Ignore the mess up and move on. Yeah. Konami returns with a proper back of the head kick to show B how it's done. Yes, she did. Konami and B start to go for tags, but Konami says, screw that, and runs over and grabs B for a quick German suplex. And then Barrel rolls to Azumi for the tag. Yeah, that German looked like it was going to be just murder her. Konami herself twisted at the last second and landed it. Probably the safest German I've ever seen. Kudos to this woman. Azumi comes in and puts on a submission. I'm going to call it the AZM crucifix for right now. I just called it the wrap-up submission. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> <laughs> she wrapped her up. But B is so much bigger than her, she can almost walk it off. Yeah, I, I have that note. Like It's the wrap-up submission into a roll-up, playing the si size game perfectly. Asumi tries to suplex B, but can't. So, like any normal response, she gets up and hits the penalty kick to knock B silly. You gotta do what you gotta do. Azumi tries to run the ropes, but B counters by running into her and goes up into the ropes herself. Konami comes up behind and puts a stop to that shit. Yeah, she's had enough. Distracted, B gets hit with a suplex from Asumi, which is amazing because Asumi looked like she had to do some of the heavy lifting on this one. Yeah, she, I, she's, not, she's not bad for her age and size. I'm sure B did her part on this as well, but damn. Mm. From out of nowhere... Konami uh, comes in to issue a no-shit-fuck-off receipt to B for plowing her over at 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Azumi then rolls up B for a bridging, well, now what I'm going to call here is the cooter pin. <laughs> yep. Her head is way up in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't take a note on this one because I knew it would come up and I didn't know what to call it. <laughs> Chardonnay, realizing that she's in the match as well, comes in to break it up at two. She then rolls Konami out of the ring, and as Azumi is going after B, Chardonnay gut kicks her and hits a double underhook suplex. It was nice. B goes up top, and Chardonnay sets up Azumi for B to just stomp the shit out of her. B gets a two count as Konami comes in for the save. Yeah, it was a nice little double foot stomp Death Valley driver combo. And it then, should have been a finisher. And then right after that, Chardonnay just straight fucks Konami out of the ring for that. Yeah, she did. As B is getting Azumi up, Azumi hits some crossbody forearm chops, and B issues a potato for her troubles. Yep. Azumi runs the ropes to hit a possible hurricanrana, but B catches her mid-flight and straight woman handles her into a nasty-looking powerbomb. Should have been the end of the match. That powerbomb, damn. As Azumi is on her knees getting up, B comes over and steps on her, jumps off of her, and lands a safe boot to the back of the head. And with that, we get the three in 723. 
Yeah, we had the curb stomp for the finish. I still think the powerbomb should have... Either the stomp DVD or the powerbomb should have been the finish. The curb was well done and very safe, but definitely weaker than the other two moves that were done to her. And I love this after the match. Since they're all Queen's Quest, they get up to check on each other. Yeah, but then uh, another great note is, like, they go to check on AZM, and she waves them off and rolls out of the ring to give the winners the ring. Back to another blue bracket match. We open up with Kaori and Duaka. Ruaka, got it. Of Jen. Jungle Assault Nation. And they are facing Mayu and the tag team specialist of stardom, Saki. Two-thirds of the artist of stardom champions. Very good. I have that in my notes here. Fair enough. A great differing form of promo here. We have the Jan girls. We need points. Followed by stardoms. I think we have enough points to be in the finals already. Where the cameraman emphatically says, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, so then we need more points so we can get our belts back. The only note that I have to add to that is is that Coyote and uh, uh, Duaka are talking about Duaka not being a Kappa. Yeah. Wait, no, I thought she was a Kappa and not a monster. No, no, she's not a Kappa, but she's something else. And I was like, I'm not a monster, I'm a Kappa. I was like, hold on now. I haven't gotten that far in my lessons yet. What is a Kappa? An amphibious yokai demon or imp found in traditional Japanese lore. So she's a water demon, not a monster? A lizard. (laughs) She's a lizard, not a monster. Is that better? I don't know, man. There must be more to this than what we know what what we know about. I don't either. I, I I'm sure it plays off the fact that she's 14 years old and is the biggest girl in this match. <laughs> I, I don't mean that meanly. I'm not picking on a 14 year old here. She just is bigger than all other competitors in this match, height and size. Duaka and Coyote come out first, and I'm guessing that Coyote will have a brush with death not soon after this. If you I catch what see I mean. What you did there. Mayu and Saki come out with two of the three artist belts. That's right, you bring that belt down. Exactly. And at 426 on this match, we get... (laughs) Sir, I will have you know that I will be out chanting you soon. Race car ref checks everybody out, and we're on our way. We did get a nice little hill, like you, who's the hill, who's the face here, when we have uh, Mayu and Saki posing on the ring ropes right before the checks, and Kaori runs over to shake the ropes to kind of knock them off of it a little bit. Just a nice little touch. Let, let you know who you're supposed to be cheering for. Do Aki and Kaori do their little jungle huddle and bum rush Mayu and Saki? Yeah, it was great. I, I, I put that they Pearl Harbored them. I don't know that I can say that. So we're starting off with Mayu and Duaka with a crisscross in the middle. And the damn kicks are back. Saki comes in to assist with a toss to the ropes, but Duaka comes back with a flying crossbody to the both of them, and she gets up and taunts them a little. Duaka and Mayu try the knockdown running spot, and Duaka finally bowls over Mayu. Roundhouse! Gut kick to Duaka from Mayu, and it was stiff. Yeah. Mayu follows up with a body slam to Duaka. Uh, she muscled that one, too. Yeah, she did. A stiff kick to the back as Saki gets tagged in to start stomping the mud hole in Duaka. Yeah, we're just going to pick on the new 14-year-old and kick the shit out of her. Yeah, who's the new one in this match? You? Oh, it's coming. Yep. 
if you are under the age of 18 and you wrestle on a stardom show, they are going to kick the shit out of you. Good luck. <laughs> if you are over the, over the age of 18 and you wrestle on a stardom show, they're going to kick the shit out of you and elbow you. Saki snaps Mares Duaka to a headlock, but Coyote comes in to headlock Saki. Mayu comes in to headlock Coyote, and a tower of headlocks and race car ref counts to five to clear things up. It's the ultimate rest spot. It has been unlocked. Saki does a safe-looking rope-assisted stomp onto Duaka. She tries again, but slips and then does a non-ropes stomp on top, on top of her. So it's like a little eh, but then it got cleaned up real quick. Well, and it was nice that she nodded to the audience, too, because the audience was giving her a little bit of shit for missing the first one. So she did it twice in a row without the ropes just to show that she could. Mayu comes in and shows Saki how to really puts the boots to someone. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Starts jumping up and down on the body stomps, too. Yeah. Mayu goes for a belly-to-belly on Duaka but can't and just clubs her down. Yep. That's the story of the night. If you can't do a move, hit them as hard as you can. She tosses Duaka into the ropes, but Duaka finally crossbodies Mayu. It was nice looking and rolls it through for a tag to Coyote. And Coyote cleans house. Oh, yeah, comes in with a flying senton, but Mayu rolls out of the way. No fear in these ladies whatsoever. None. Saki runs in for a sneaky kick, but pays for it as Coyote tosses them into each other. Mm-hmm. She gets a drop toehold on Saki and lands her on top of Mayu, and then lands a senton on top of both of them together. That was great. Duaka hits some chops and some body shots. Things are going well until Mayu puts the brakes on that shit and straight up murders Coyote in public. Yeah, it was a nice little fun spot where they just start punching Mayu in the uterus a bunch. And then Mayu was like, nope, and kicks her head off. Yeah, I have here, best looking super kick I've ever seen, but God knows I wouldn't take that to save my life. Oh, no, 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 no. Mayu smartly tags in Saki to avoid that receipt. And Saki comes in and boots Coyote to in, just straight in the face. Just right in the face. You didn't need that face. Saki goes for a double underhook, but Coyote powers out of it and flips Saki onto her back and smashes her into the corner. Yeah, it was nice. Duaka comes in and knocks Mayu off and boots Saki in the gut in the tree of woe that finally makes sense, Matt. It finally worked. No comment. Because Coyote is holding her feet up at the top of the turnbuckle. I hold her into you. it. The fucking tree of woe sucks. The tree of woe is not that bad. Well, it doesn't suck here because it's actually done right and it makes sense. Fair enough. Saki tries to fight back, but gets boots to the back of the head and face for troubles. What? What the fuck? <laughs> it's just that's that's how it happens, man. Duaka tries a suplex, but Saki rolls it into a schoolgirl, and then a minute of madness is all I have written here. I really like this spot because she was going for the fisherman suplex, which actually does set yourself up to be schoolgirled up. It's brilliant. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do it. No one's ever did that to Mr. Perfect back when he used to do this suplex. Why wouldn't you? It's set up perfectly for it. All I got out of this minute of madness was like double reverse Irish whips, some suplexes, and just bah! Yeah, the only note I really had from this is Saki went for a double underhook bridging suplex thing and almost broke her own neck. Like, her head landed under Ruaka's body, and like, she almost injured herself doing this move. Don't do this move. Uh, Saki whips Ruaka into the ropes and Boots her down. Now, it's not quite as good as when Luchasaurus recently did it when he came back. Did you see him smash the skull of that Dark Order guy in the fucking ramp?
dude, that guy's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Saki hits some suplexes onto Duaka, but Coyote breaks up the pin. No mm-hmm. bother. Mayu comes in and reminds. I, I thought it was reminds, but it's re murders. <laughs> yeah, Mayu killed Kaori. And then they both take turns killing Ruaka. Oh my god, it's just another minute of just. Bah! <laughs> mm-hmm. Mayu and Saki hit stereo body kicks, and then Mayu goes up top for a crossbody. Saki goes up and does a top rope stomp and gets the three in 830. Yeah, that frog splash from Mayu, man. I've never seen a frog splash actually look impactful, but damn, she put all fucking 90 of her pounds through Ruaka's fucking ribs. Nice round of applause after the match for Duaka and Coyote as they took a drive-by type beating. Yeah, man, they just beat the shit out of them. Holy shit, Matt. Duaka must be there to take the beating of a lifetime. Yeah, she's either really hurt or she is selling on a next level, man. She just got murdered. Don't get me wrong. They took all what they had to give, but Duaka, she was a straight-up punching bag in this match. Jesus de Cristo, I wouldn't take anything in this match. No. And then I did have a question for you about the ending. Mayu goes for a hug with Saki, and, like, Saki pulls out of the way at the last second and grabs her mouth. Was she, like, busted open or maybe sick or something? Or is this just them being awkward? I had to look this up. I think it's them being awkward because both of them Mm. are very self-conscious. Okay, I can see that. I just It was really confusing for a second, but it played into the awkwardness that they have as a team, so I, I, it wasn't bad. Definitely the most high-paced match of the night. Our last match of the night is a red bracket match and has Jungle Kiona and Natsuko versus Kegitsu and Hazuki. Matt, I've got some bad news for you. Bad news for me? It was recently announced right before we started recording that Hazuki is going off to college. No! Damn you, education! Why do you gotta get smart and not kick people in the head? We'll go more into that when the time comes, but let's enjoy this match and many others with Azuki in it because she is she is definitely one of the rising stars of Odiotai. She she is in my top three favorite in in the company, let alone Odiotai alone. Like yeah, good for you. Go do better stuff with your life. Don't get kicked in the face all the time. But damn, I'm gonna miss watching you kick people in the face all the time. Just don't take classes during the summer and come back. Exactly, exactly. Free match promo with Kegetsu and Hazuki, with Hazuki painted up as the opposite of Kegetsu with the contact in as well. I really dug it. The matching outfits and makeup, it's just, it's nice. None of the other teams have really done that in this in this tournament, had the matching outfits, so I, I was a fan. They talk about how many matches they have left in the tournament, and they say they are facing the tag champs of Short and Dumpy. Yeah, they called this one the pig match, wink uh, wink. Apparently, pigs speak differently in Japan. Did, did yes, you catch they that? Did. They made a ba sound, it sounded like. That's what it was. But the subtitle said onk, oink, oink. I that's don't know like, what's going on here. <laughs> that's like my travels to Germany here recently. Or apparently, the ducks only quack with unlauts. Unlauts. Quack, quack. Oh, wait, that was more French. <laughs> Just another note on their promo. It was brilliant, the cockiness they had in this. Because everybody else is talking about, you know, we have to win two more matches or we have to get this many points. They're just like, nah, man, we got three more matches. This one, this one, and the final. Like, it's just a brilliant bit of cockiness here. My lord, Jungle talks so damn fast for me to even pick up a couple of words. Yeah, it's no big secret that I'm actually taking Japanese lessons strictly so I can go watch Stardom better. Yep. But I'm glad that I don't have to take lessons from Jungle because I wouldn't be able to understand a word. Oh, not a little bit. 
Not even a little bit. Subtitles saved it. Yeah. I, I think the gist of theirs are just, we're the champs. We'll stay champs. Let's win. Oh, they do have a good mention here that they are the 14th goddess of stardom tag champs. I love the lineage, and I love Ag that the champs know it. Agreed. Agreed. We talked about this a little bit offline. I don't really understand why the champs are in this tournament, but it does make for a good matchup here. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree. For me, I wouldn't put a champ in the tournament, but I can at least give them credit because, of the, like I said, the way they covered it in this promo was if we win the tournament, we're in control of our destiny and no one else is. So they cover it well. If you had to put your champs in a tournament, this is a reason to do it. Also, it is good to note here that trash talking for heels is vastly different in Japanese wrestling than it is in America. Yeah. So in America, you're using like four-letter derivatives. <laughs> Ex expletives. Expletives, if you will. In Japan, it's just simply, your pigs. Your pigs. Oink, well oink. done. Or, sorry, your pigs. Baba. <laughs> Them damn Japanese pigs. Oh, guess what, Matt? What's up? The whole group of Odeotai comes out. One of my favorite things in wrestling. I love the mask, and we also get our dance tonight. The dance, man. It's legit one of my favorite things in wrestling. Four badass women and, and Martina dancing a J-pop dance. This is also the first time I've seen it done with five people in it. Yeah, I like that they gave Martina the chance to just kind of stand in the background and move her hands around. She blew it. But they gave her a chance. <laughs> She's drunk. It's okay. Yeah, no, it's just great to see the this weird, just, like I said, one of them's carrying a bladed weapon, but they're doing a J-pop dance, and it's like, what is going on? It's just great. It has to be seen. Yeah, I have a couple of notes from this dance here. The first one is, is that Martina's in the back dancing like Matt. <laughs> I'll have you know, I use more hip than she does, <laughs> and I don't wear a diaper. I also have uh, Natsu's back there shilling her shirts during the dance, which is fucking awesome. Just great. <laughs> Everybody's got towels. She's got her shirt. Look at me. Look at me. It's what you should do. Uh, my last note for the dance is, is, I don't care if the sword's fake. Somebody go to Hazuki and take that motherfucker away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And, and grab the sigh from Kikutsu while you're at it. That's a little bit more dangerous, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Jan comes out, and they high-five the crowds. They are the baby faces here. They are. And you get some good note of, the, like, the hills being hills, and they're mocking them as they're coming out. It was, just, it was great. Ah, uh, when when they're introduced, Kagetsu takes her red belt and shoves it right in Jan's faces. That's right, you bring that belt out! Yeah, you might be the tag champs, but I'm the champ. Kagetsu tells Old Ref to get back over there and check Jan again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and old ref's just like, all right. <laughs> it's it's just the small things, man. It's the small things. And with the usual pomp and circumstance and subtlety of old ref, we get underway with. <laughs> oh my! Did you see that? No. He's like dancing around and stuff. He's like, fight! <laughs> so we start off with Hazuki and Natsuko in the middle of the ring. Little bit of feeling each other out as they exchange body locks until Hazuki counters by pulling Natsuku's leg from between her own, like right in the middle. I love mm. that spot. Yeah. You can tell this is about to be a barn burner mm -hmm. because this is starting off at a well-paced out plan going throughout the match. And whenever a starting match starts off with like some Greco-Roman moves and stuff, sit yeah. back and relax, my friends. It's about to get good. Yeah. But that is until Kagetsu comes in with a blow-up mallet for reasons. <laughs> yeah, I had a note that the beginning was 
you had a difference in the differing styles of, of all four people kind of playing out, and you show that they're evenly matched teams. So then the hills are going, well, screw that. If we're evenly matched, I'll hit you with a fake hammer. I know Kigetsu has old ref distracted and everything. Yeah. And Hazuki runs over and uses the foam uh, sword on Natsuku and smacks yeah. the shit out of her with it. Yeah, it didn't Look, seem foam when she hit her. Yeah, I understand that that's a foam sword and it may not be, you know, made of steel and whatnot. But, oh, hell no. No. She did not hold back at all on that one. No, Hazuki's not hitting me with anything. Hazuki tags in Kigetsu, and she comes in and pours water on top of Natsuku and spits on Jungle. Now, I'm going to refer to as Jungle because that's her actual gimmick name. Yeah. Excellent heel taunting until Natsuku comes in and gets a knockdown on Kigetsu. Yeah, it was a nice it was a nice visual. You would think you would save that towards the end of the match, the water dumping, because you don't want to, you know, slick up the ring. But it, it just made for a nice visual, and it just, it, it worked. It worked. And it didn't end up being an issue throughout the match anyway, so I'm cool with that. Now, Natsuko goes for it again, but wait, Odotai are right outside the ring, and they trip her up. Kegitsu goes for the same bouncing off the ropes, but Jungle was waiting for her, and Kegitsu gets tripped up too. Yeah, this is another great uh, moment to where you have the hills. Like I said, they're doing the underhanded tactics because it's what, it's what they need to do to get ahead. And then finally you just have the face that's had enough, and if you want to fight dirty, we'll fight dirty. Hazuki and Jungle exchanged some stiff elbows. Man, those things were hard. Yeah, they were. Jungle's not small to be throwing them elbows either. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Yes. Randomly, we see some of the wrestlers just full dead on sprint, just run over to where the turnbuckle is. And like, everybody get the fuck out of the way now! Yeah, move, fans, move. A millisecond later, I don't know what happened. Hazuki just gets tossed into chairs at 90 miles an hour. Yeah, she did. Followed no. by Kigetsu. Yeah, and those chairs did not slow them down at all. Oh my god, complete fearlessness right here. Car crash. After a minute and seven seconds of brawl time, we're finally back into the ring. Yeah, not bad. Jan work on Kegetsu inside the ring, and they do a double splash spot. And I like the double splash spot. They then try to pin Kegetsu, but she kicks out at two. The jungle comes in and just starts woman-handling Kegetsu like she owes her money. Yeah, she does. Good head scissors from jungle to Kegetsu until Kegetsu can finally uh, just get her feet on the ropes because you know they don't do that tip rope break. Yeah, I, I like that. You'll notice it, especially with Old Ref in. If they touch the rope, he'll go over and go, no, you have to have your foot on the rope. I, it's a nice touch. Jungle's response is to try to decapitate Kegetsu on the bottom rope with a lariat. Yes, she did. <laughs> Almost succeeded. Kegetsu then rolls up Jungle and tries to rope assist a pin, but old ref catches her. Catches her after one. Didn't even wait for two. Good job, ref. Kegetsu tags in Hazuki, who flies over the top rope to do a missile dropkick into Jungle's chest. Just straight on, right in the sternum. Followed with some stiff kicks to the face in the corner. Yep, we get the foot wash. Hazuki does a double underhook backbreaker on, on Jungle. Nice, but only gets a two. But this was one of my favorite spots of the match, and this is why I like Hazuki so much. She hits the full Nelson slam into a pin. As soon as it's established it's a two count, she immediately rolls her into her cross face, just perfectly seamlessly. Like, the only one who comes close to this level of fluidity is probably Samoa Joe, who does a similar move spot. So this is where some of the psychology kicks in that Stardom has that a lot of other organizations don't right now. They realize that the, uh, the fans have had a little bit too much going on for them to keep up with, so they slow it down, Yep. get a headlock on, let the crowd kind of reset and get back into it again. 
A few reverses are exchanged until Hazuki catches Jungle in a single-arm underhook DDT, and it was flawless. Yeah, it was. Kagetsu comes in and thinks on what to do. Fuck it! Go with a killing kick. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> when all else fails, kick their lights out. But she then catches Jungle in the throat with the third kick, and you could hear the air escape from Jungle. Yeah, she did. Oh. Ooh. I, I couldn't quite tell what happened. If Jungle leaned in a little too much or pulled back a little bit too much, but yeah, she caught her right in the throat. Devil Irish whip reversal with a boot to Jungle's face as Kagetsu goes up top. Yep. Jungle goes into the corner and catches Kagetsu's feet and yanks her off of the turnbuckle ass first onto the mat. Ah, yeah, oh. full on flat back, man. Ah. My back and neck are killing me just watching this. Yeah. Stiff exchange in the middle between Kegetsu and Jungle. No love lost, apparently. None. Kegetsu decided that she's had enough of this and quickly goes up top in the corner for a missile dropkick. Jungle is in the opposite corner, and Kegetsu rushes her. Going back to do it again, Jungle chases down Kegetsu to do the same. Jungle has Kegetsu up for a power bomb. Whatever yep. it was, Kegetsu rolls it out and does a five to ten things in the span of a second to jungle and kicks and stuff. I, I don't know what happened here. Things. Yeah. More stiff exchanges between Kegetsu and jungle in the middle until jungle hits a solid clothesline on Kegetsu, and she does a full 360 flip on it. Yeah, it's the only time I think I've ever seen the inside-out clothesline where it actually looked like the clothesline turned them inside-out. She legit flipped her with this clothesline, it looked like. I did check the geometry on this and verified that it was, in fact, 360 degrees. And at this point, I would like to say, statistics are not real math. Yeah, Russell Maths. We're doing real math over That's here. That's right. Statistics is the ability to guess really well, if that. Math? That's real shit. Real math. And screw yourself, Greg. <laughs> Send your hate tweets to at WrestleMath and tell him that stats ain't math with the yeah. with pound sign. Pound sign, stats ain't math. I don't even know who you guys are, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Loud, angry noises. You might be Russell Mass, but we got the Russell Matt. Uh, no, that was terrible. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> I said that so much. <laughs> Instant regret right there. Ugh, I knew it was going to be bad as it left my voice. So 360 degrees, huh? <laughs> Jungle gets the tag in slightly before Kegetsu to give us Hazuki and Natsuko to start their stiff-ass exchange in the middle now. Hazuki follows it up with a decent codebreaker and slams Natsuko down to the mat. Applause for the two-count kickout, and Hazuki goes up top. Yeah, this was another great little moment from Hazuki here to where she could have done the move in the middle of the ring, but she moved her over towards the corner first, and it was like, why are you doing that? And then after the two count, she's immediately, again, seamless, popped up, goes up top. She's always setting up her next moves. Like I said, it feels like something you would do in a real fight. Like, you, you want to be prepared. If this doesn't work, then I'm thinking ahead, and this is what I'm doing next. Natsuko rolled out of the way, and then they get Hazuki in the corner, and then into a double suplex that looked to be the safest move of the match. Yeah. Natsuko gets Hazuki up for what looks to be like the torture rack, but Hazuki slips out and nails Natsuko in the face with her boot for reasons. Again, when all else fails, kick the lights out. A <laughs> uh, bit of a crisscross and hits a beautiful spear. It was like a weird, I don't even know how to explain it. Just watch the spear. It's awesome. Spicy, spicy. Jungle picks up Hazuki in a fireman's carry and forward rolls to a slam onto the mat. Damn. Damn. Natsuko goes up top, but Kegetsu holds on to her to prevent her from landing onto Azuki. 
Hazuki capitalizes, but going up top to get Natsuko. Now, again, I'm a little confused on what happened here. Jungle comes in and scoops up Hazuki to powerbomb her in the middle of the ring, setting up Natsuko hitting a splash on Hazuki, and Kagetsu breaks up the pin. Yeah, it was so perfectly timed. This You hit her with the powerbomb, and then she came off with the frog splash. The timing was just great. Um, without Kagetsu there, this is the end of the match. Oh, absolutely. Jungle tries to power slam Hazuki, but she rolls out of it into a crucifix pin using sorcery. I don't know how she did it. I watched it four times. Flawless. Flawless victory, man. And it gives Hazuki and Kagetsu the win at 10.05. I don't know why I didn't give this match of the night. We'll get into that later. But damn good match. After Hazuki and Kagetsu are done celebrating, Odio Tai comes in and closes out the show, which is a very unique aspect to stardom shows in general. Yeah. That the last match, which is the main event, whoever wins that match, their stable closes out the show. Yeah. And tonight, we get the Odeo Tai motto of, let's do a half-ass job. Yeah, let's do our half-ass best. We are Odeo Tai. So I have some more masks for you at the end of the show. You ready? Yeah. Total match link overall for all six matches. Now, granted, we're only watching what they put up on their website. Mm-hmm. We're not actually there in person. But total match length was bell-to-bell, 49 minutes and 46 seconds, with only how long spent outside the ring. <sighs> Eight percent. One minute and seven seconds was actually spent outside the ring, meaning that only 2.2% of total match time was spent doing walk and brawl. Wow. That's Let, unheard of in this day and age. A lesson could be learned here. AEW. And Wrestle Maths. He did the math. So, Matt, tell me, what would you think of the show? Uh, great show. I know we picked it randomly to jump in, but we couldn't have picked a better show to start off with. You had your, your lesser matches early on. They went five, seven minutes apiece, pretty much. They weren't bad, but hey, here's some up-and-comers. You get a quick glance at them. You're moving on to the important stuff. Every match told a story, even beyond the fact that they all want to win the tag team titles. There was something in every match to keep you focused on other stuff after the finals are over. I think we forgot to mention there was also the call-out by Jungle Assault Nation at the end of the match that, hey, man, you guys beat us. But we're still the champs, so when we win this, we're giving y'all a title shot because this match was awesome. Like I said, there's something for everybody. You had a little bit of comedy during the Martina and um, Suki match. You had the high pace match with Mayu and Saki. You had the big girls matches with the British style with B and Chardonnay. I said there was something for everybody and not in a negative way of we're going to accommodate the least common denominator. It was just this is great wrestling all around. You can find something you like. Yeah, I've come to notice these stardom matches that the slower that they start, the better they get as they go on. It is perfectly okay to build something up that's good like this, and it's possible to overdo it throughout the match, but I think here that they actually nail the hammer on the head here. Agreed. Stardom doesn't really have an agent, per se, like behind-the-scenes producer for the matches and whatnot. This Mm -hmm. is actually just the talent working amongst themselves. They get told, here's what's going to happen, figure it out. Yeah, and like I said, they do a damn good job in all of these matches. There's a little bit of promo work that still needs to be done with some of the girls, but I say that as someone who's reading the translation. It might be perfectly fine in Japanese. It might play better for a Japanese audience that's hearing it live as opposed to an American that's reading a translation on a subtitle, but other than that, I, like I can't fault any of this. 
there was nothing below a three star match for me out of five. And I, I'm not super into giving um, stars to stuff. I just do it as a baseline. Hey, everything was about at least mediocre and better. There was nothing bad in this show. Highly recommend. And going back to the agent thing, that is definitely one area where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Matt and I have said behind the scenes that the only thing that really is needed for stardom at this point is just a little bit of production money. I, and I think I'll get more into this when we go into power. This is probably the best wrestling in the business. If it just had a little bit of production behind it, which spoilers might be coming our way, it might be the best wrestling product on the market. I will say here in the very near future, in our timeline, uh, we actually get somebody on the stardom staff that's doing some behind-the-scenes work where we're actually introducing outside-the-ring promos. Yeah. Uh, her name is Yuki Nakai, and she has a wonderful camera. This thing's like a 4K, like a 1080p, whatever the biggest stats are right now. It's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And they are doing different locations for their promos now. Nice. She seems to be a production manager for some of their video segments as well, and Stardom seems to be moving in the right direction on this. Is she part of Bushi Road, or is she just somebody they hired on their own? Uh, Japanese Jack Tunney hired her. Okay. So, Matt, we need to take a pause here. I thought originally that we were going to do the first two days of Stardom that we yeah. picked to start with for the first episode, but that ain't happening. That ain't happening. I so, agree. So, we're going to go ahead and close it out here. Since we're going to take a break here, I was going to ask you after the next episode, are you ready to keep on going with stardom? I'm full speed ahead, man. I'm ready to shine. What is your match of the night? I I think for me, I'm going to stick with my gut instinct, and I'm going to continue to go B and Chardonnay versus Konami and AZM. I like the story they told with the underdog, big girl, little girl, and just the match itself was phenomenal as well. Uh, not to take away from Odiotai and Jan, I just I, I think that little bit of the 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 little bit of underdog story sold it for me a little more. I think for me it's going to have to be Jan versus Odiotai, mm-hmm. only because up to this point during the show we had you know face face, which is weird. We had yeah. heel heel, which is weird. But this match was our first definitive face versus heel, and we got to see Jan play the definitive faces, and we got to see Odiotai play nasty ass heels. Agreed. I, I can't take away from them. And then, finally, it's everybody's favorite segment. Hill of the Night. Who are you going with? Uh, I think I gotta go with Hazuki. Like I said, it's just the little thing she did. And they're playing off this whole Hazuki's in charge of the tag tournament thing, even though Kigetsu's in charge of the stable as a whole. And it just, her being in charge of this... I, I think I have to give it to her for that reason. She's she's going to be my hill of the night. So we've noticed here recently that there have been a lot of stardom talent mingle their way through WWE. We got Carrie Sane, we got Tony Storm, even B Priestley's gone off to AEW, and some other names have gone over there as well too, proving that doing your time in stardom and actually learning how to do some ring psychology and work for real does wonders for your career, does it not? It does. Why didn't Rick send Charlotte over here? <laughs> I'm looking at you, Ric Flair. Heel of the night for not sending Charlotte over here for two reasons. One, she could have learned some better ring psychology. And two, she wouldn't have had to blow herself up like a hot air balloon. Yeah, but she'd be like three times the size of every girl in the company. Oh, don't worry. We got Rebel Gonzalez coming. <sighs> 
on that note. That's it for me, Waldo. I'm the Matt. And we got Dr. Bryant here with us, as always, for the Face for Wrestling video podcast this episode. Catch our episodes on YouTube and in audio form on SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can follow us on the Twitter at Face the Number Four Wrestling. And on Facebook, whenever Matt sets up our Facebook page. Matt. We have a Facebook page now. It, do we? Uh, we will. Okay. I'll, I'll send you a clip of me saying Facebook page link. We intend on dropping a Stardom episode every month on the 9th. And we'll be releasing episode one of NWA Power Review on the 24th. Ah, Thanks for... it's a Christmas miracle. Thanks for watching, and remember, as always, stats ain't math. Stats ain't math.